John got engaged through a prophetic word and a letter in the mail to a woman he met while on furlough. He moved to Texas out of obedience and started New Name Ministries with his wife, Cynthia, and just opened Psalm 40 Ranch a couple of years ago to help more men coming out of prison get back on their feet. Today, we do a background check on John Cordero. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Gum, and this podcast is brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. If you want to know more about Forgiven Felons and what we do, who we help, how we help them, go to ForgivenFelons.org, especially if you have a loved one in prison who might need a transitional house uh, after they make parole, go to the house page, download the application packet, send it to them, and have them send it back, and we'll get the process started. Uh, Also, if you want to know more about what our current plans are, here in the next year or two, to um, go to the go to the page that says current plans, and you can read all about our resource center, the um, businesses that we plan to have, the social entrepreneurship, the vocational training, all the social services that we're going to be providing, not just to people in our house, in our in our program houses, but to people all over the DFW Metroplex and eventually around the nation. So go to the website. You can also see some uh, great videos on there, some impact stories. Also, if you haven't seen the documentary yet, it's on Roku and on Tubi TV. I'd never heard of Tubi TV, but I just got a just got a um, email, phone phone call, text message from somebody who actually watched it on Tubi TV. So that's pretty cool. It's getting some exposure. So spread the word. If you know somebody, a family, or somebody who's been to prison that could use some really good stories about people coming out of prison, the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Point them to the documentary. All you got to do is go on either one of those sites, Tubi TV, Roku channel. You, you can download the app on your phone, uh, on the internet. Some of you may even have a Roku TV. You know, So just go there and, and search for Forgiven Felons, and all three episodes are right there. Also, don't forget about all the ways you can listen. I don't know what platform you might be listening to it right now. Uh, you might be listening to an Apple, but other people may not have an iPhone or the ability to listen to an Apple podcast. So share with them also that it's on Spotify, it's on Google Podcast, it's on Edify, which is a Christian podcast platform. And then we're also on Amazon Music and Audible. And listen, anywhere, any platform that they allow you to leave a review, mostly on Apple, and I think maybe Amazon Music or Audible has a has a review spot, uh, leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the more exposure the podcasts get, and uh, that's what that's what we're all about: spreading the love of Jesus and the Word of God, and uh, giving these guys a platform to tell their story and how they're helping others. And that's what today's episode is all about. John Cordero is my guest today on the show. Uh, 
we've known each other for a while. We're both in the reentry field. He's been doing it a little bit longer than I have, and he's uh, he's grown to a little bit bigger organization than I have, and and he's he's just doing amazing work. His he and his wife Cynthia moved from Maine a long time ago. Uh, and they started from small beginnings, and they've grown to what they are now. They have a ranch out in Boyd, Texas, with a couple of houses on on the land, and they're going to expand that even more. But the the ministry's name is New Name Ministries, and I love it. John and Cynthia both have their their own great redemptive story, uh, but John's story is amazing, and he's a he's a good friend. He's one of my best friends, I think, just in the fact that I can call on him. For advice, wisdom, counsel, prayer, uh, he, he has he operates in so many uh, spiritual gifts. It's amazing what they do. They're they're developing leaders. They're developing uh, men coming out of prison who have been shunned by society because of their crime. And some of the material today uh, will be a little bit uh, uh, sensitive. We're going to be talking about sex offenders and sex sexual offenses. And so, if you're offended by that or you don't understand how deep God's love and grace and mercy run, then you may be offended by the whole podcast. But I, I pray that you just listen with, with God's eyes and God's filter. And to my friend John, who has an incredible, just incredible salvation, redemption story, but also a story that includes helping other people change their lives through Christ Jesus. It's one of my favorite podcasts to date, so I'm not going to delay it any longer. Here's John Cordero with New Name Ministries in our interview. John Cordero, for the second time, welcome to Background <laughs> Check Podcast. That's an inside joke. Uh, uh, it's because, a good one because uh, mm. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna record the first 10, 15 minutes again because I forgot to hit record. I guarantee you, it will not be the same. <laughs> Hopefully it'd be better. It, I, I, although I'm not sure how it could be because that you, was so good. I you can't were believe so, you chunked it like man, that. Man, you were so talking some good stuff. <laughs> and um, this has only happened twice in all uh, in all the 42 episodes. So uh, so that's good. But at the same time, uh, it's always embarrassing. But hey, when you can admit your, your mistakes and uh, and go on. So John, we get to say it all again. The first fifteen minutes, and, and I think it'll be even better this time. I believe it with you. So, uh, so John, John Cordero, you um, run New Name Ministries. We I are, do. We are sitting at Psalm Forty Ranch. Is that did I say that right? You did. Before we get into your story, which we were about to, I want to talk about who you are now. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about Cynthia too. Okay. Because, I mean, she's the reason you're as good as a man you are. Oh, my. Don't we know? Right? right? You betcha. You betcha. So that's the way I, I see Jessamy. So tell us who you are, what you do now, and what you do for the people you do it for. Sure. So now I am the founder and director of New Name Ministries. We were established in February of 2004 here in Texas. I moved here from Maine out of obedience. And um, we had just built our self-designed, self-built Dream home on eight and a half acres in Maine. In Maine, that's beautiful. Up there, quarter acre, have a quarter mile long driveway. I could come home at the end of the day, hop on the dirt bike, and go play in the woods. And yeah, it was a good life. Um, wow, uh, what's more beautiful up there in that, at that time? Which time of year is more beautiful? 
Oh, fall is just amazing. Fall is, fall is beautiful. Fall is just amazing. Absolutely crazy cool. So then you 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 were so we moved out here. We moved here. Moved here. Yes, literally. Texas. We lived in that house for seven months. And when uh, and my 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 wife was raised, some would just say it's common sense to move to Texas from another state. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, listen, man, I have I don't have any. We, we love where we live. We love the the tribe that the Lord has put us in. We love the people that are in our life down here. Texas is amazing, and everybody's moving here, and, yeah, and yeah. for good reason, because um, it's the it's the United Nation of Texas. That's right. You know. That's right. And uh, we're on our own power grid. Shucks. <laughs> oh, still a little sore subject. Yeah, let's not go there right now. That's another program. So uh, write that one down. <laughs> the grid. Um, so, anyways, so so you moved here. Yeah, and so obedience. moved here, and really out of obedience, I didn't have a job. I didn't have. I really didn't have. Uh, I didn't have a network here. I didn't know what God wanted to do here. Uh, I had one contact. And I'd met him through the Coalition of Prison Evangelists. Wow. And I'd come down here to Texas to a, uh, the international meeting in Irving and met this dude. And I had him uh, come up to Maine and teach about mentoring guys coming out of prison. Because I was, you know, after I served my time, you know, the Lord broke my heart while I was incarcerated. It was a short period of time. But I just saw all these guys doing, doing life sentences on revolving charge because yeah. they, 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 had, they had no place to go. There's no one to, to, to really uh, help them resource or change the dynamics that they would come home to. Right. You know, they were going right back to the same family, the same people, the same jobs, the same platform that they, they knew how to operate within. And that's what got them where they went. Yeah. And so... And you I, recognized uh, that that was because of the system. I in. did, yeah. Because as much as they call it, you know, corrections, what I found was that it really was more about industry. It was yeah. more about uh, the money at the end of the day. And it's, you know, it's interesting um, how many volunteers go in to prisons, or at least before we had COVID. Yeah. But I mean, just here in Texas, it's like, what a, what a dichotomy. On one hand, they're like, yeah, we need our guys to be better so they don't come back. We've got like over 150,000, right, yep. guys incarcerated. It's, it's down to about 122 right now Thank because God. of COVID. Because of COVID, yep. yep. But still, but we have no volunteers going in now, yep. and I don't know where these guys are going. But, uh, you know, for me, what I saw was that these men needed to go from that place of, of uh, prison culture to kingdom culture. And I was the nutty buddy that when I got out, I, I started looking for homes and didn't have any money. And I literally wrote letters to people saying, hey, this is what my vision is. Would right. you be interested in letting me use your house? Fortunately, the Lord gave me a good woman. Um, in fact, we're coming up on our 27th anniversary. Uh, man, when, when? Uh, that's the 13th this month. Of, of March. March. Yeah. So like this weekend. Yes, this Saturday. Happy anniversary. You, How yeah. long? 27 Amazing years. Wow. Well, actually, what I'm supposed to say, okay, this is what I usually say when I'm in public. People say, so hey, how long you guys been married, John? Oh, not long enough. <laughs> yeah, that I one's free. It. That's I free. That'll it. get you out of I the doghouse. Yeah, man. I, uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, 13 years next month, Yay. April 18th. Yeah. I got out of prison April 18th, 2006. So I've been out. I'll be out 15 and married 13. Wow. Same, same date, April 18th. Very cool. Easy to remember my anniversary that way. Yeah. Well, I met I met my bride when I was on furlough. Oh. And uh, I had come to a place where I absolutely had no eyes for another woman. I'd had two 
bad marriages, and I was the I was the common denominator in both of those. And because wherever um, we go, there we are. There we is. <laughs> and um, and literally, I had fallen in love with Jesus. I, I really felt like I never had to get married again. Oh yeah, that's because good. the love and the just the the comfort I had and the peace. And besides, I was a liability. Right. You know. I had lost, you know, I had a felony count. I had, I had two professional licenses I lost. Mm. I went bankrupt. I owed for the attorneys. I owed the IRS. I owe, What did I she owe. see in you? <laughs> so I'm on furlough, and I meet this gal at the door, and, and she has got uh, beautiful, deep blue eyes that are just empty. And, um, you know, I was operating in the prophetic back then. I didn't quite know what I was doing because I was a new believer. But I, I called to her. I said, hey, Cynthia, come here. I said, the Lord just wants you to know he loves you. He just wants you to come home to him. And she just starts boo-hooing right wow. there in the middle of that house. And with all these, it was like a dinner party kind of a thing. And, and she was a guest. She was there speaking uh, at a FEMA conference. She actually lived in Little Rock. And so uh, she goes, how did you know? I'm like, how did I know what? She goes, I walked away from the Lord 18 years ago. And she goes, and I just heard his voice. Wow. And so she went back to Little Rock, gave her notice, sold her lake house and her, her home, and moved to Maine. Not for me, but for <laughs> Jesus, because she says, yeah. I'm not going to, you know, her parents are like, well, it's so glad you're back to the Lord, but why do you have to go to Maine? Is it a man? No. Is it a job? No, it's Jesus. Wow. And three weeks later, after she'd already made that decision, uh, I stayed in touch with her. I happened to be on a mandatory work release. And I was back at my job at the Christian radio station that I helped start. And um, poof, you know, the Lord gives me this word. He says, I want you to call Cynthia tonight and say, the word says this, let your yes be yes, your no be no. What's your answer going to be? <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm not even really sure what I'm asking. <laughs> and so when I call her, she had just walked in her door. She hadn't even put her bag down. She walked in the door, picked up the phone. I said, Hey, I said, the word says, let your yes be yes, your no be no. What's your answer going to be? She goes, you haven't got my letter yet. I said, what letter? She goes, the one I put in the mailbox at four o'clock this morning saying my answer is yes. Wow. And so that's how we got engaged. Wow. And then, and then we, then, then six weeks later we had our first date when she flew back up. I'm now I've actually been transitioned from being, incarcerated to being on house arrest. So I've got a monitor on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so she shows up and uh, she brings the party with her. She's got a suitcase full of party hats and all that. So she's going to celebrate. We you know, invites all of my friends over. And, wow. and so we, we had a little party, you know, for my birthday because that was coming up and uh, celebrating our, our engagement. And March 13th following, we got married. And so we started the, the crazy Cordero journey. And it's, so how long, how long, how much longer were you in Maine? Well, so we got married you? and we were, we were there for 10 years. Okay. And, uh, and Cynthia was army brat and her dad was all over the South and she hates the heat. <laughs> and so of course, the first thing that she would have to give up is not only her brand new home that we had just built and, and designed, but you know, the nice le weather, le too. leaving the beauty. You know, she, <laughs> that girl, she loved Maine winters. I mean, she was built for it. And so anyways, coming down here the first two years, she just bawled for the first two years. And, uh, what was really interesting is, is that, so two years ago, she retired 
And after kind of settling down a little bit in her heart and her mind, her spirit, she came to me one day. She said, you know what? We don't ever have to go back to Maine. I've made peace with this. And I told God, I said, I love it here, and I love what you've done, and I'm so glad you brought us here. And I said, well, that figures because I just found this. Oh, And no. so <laughs> I found a piece of property, lake property up in Maine. And so we we sold one of our investment properties, and we bought a property in Maine. And so we, we have a lake house up there that we bought as an investment, and people get to enjoy it when we're not there. Awesome. And it's... Uh, it's just, yeah, you know, God's so good. I'm hoping to visit uh, that place. Well, uh, yeah, man, I'm hoping, hoping for that too. <laughs> bring your, bring your bag of goodies. We'll do some more shows. So you get here to Texas. You start the ministry. What do y'all do here? Well, let me New tell you about Ministries. that. That's so funny about, about yeah. how I started the ministry. Yeah. So when I got here, you know, even before I get here, God provides a job, gives me a spirit-filled realtor, uh, sends people to, finds intercessors to pray for wow. us. And God opens doors, things, things, you know, move along. And, uh, I open up an adult only, um, basically it's an adult only service on Saturday nights, uh, folks over at uh, deliverance Bible church in Hearst, okay. give me the keys and say, here, man, what you need to do, you do right here. Wow. And so they gave me the keys Saturday nights. It's all yours. Go for it. And so we did that. And we basically said, Hey, anybody who wants to come, there's no kids here. There's no problems here. And uh, that that started and gave me actually a kind of a baseline of people who needed to come for the residential program, people who were there to help support the ministry, and you know, and so we started there. Uh, now at this point, to, you already had a plan in mind. Oh a vision no, I don't for, do, I, do I do I ever look like I have a plan? You look smart. <laughs> We're gonna blame God that for that because I look like my father. That's that's why. Um, so, so, so at that actually, point, the the vision of of a uh, new name of, of a reentry was not there. Okay. No, what what was there I actually went by the name of First Stone Ministries. Okay. That's the name that you know because you know let you without sin cast the first stone. first stone. And so I'm like you know because people judged based on a past that I can't change, right? Which you know basically is oppressive, and uh, unfortunately that wasn't just the world. A lot of that has come out of the, the church as oh, well. Absolutely. And, uh, I sorrow for them because that's, that's not what redemption looks like. That's not what the kingdom's going to look like. People are going to be really surprised who's going to be in the kingdom. So, um, so yeah, so we started out as an outreach just for people to have an adult fellowship. And then, so I started hanging out with, I started meeting people who were doing reentry just to, just to, get a sense of who's doing what right. and, and to help support them and just love on them and, and just be part of the reentry community. Cause I didn't really have, uh, you know, a, a, a grid for doing anything. And so this guy, <clears throat> I was talking to him, I said, Hey buddy, I said, do you see that house for rent? It's just two doors down from where you already have a house. He goes, I did. I said, you want to go look at it? Yeah. I said, let's go look at it. So we look at it and I, he says, man, he says, we really need to expand. I don't have any more beds and I got people still calling. And I, I said, I'll tell you what, I will go ahead and I will, um, I'll go ahead and pay the first month's rent for you. Oh, would you do that? That's really awesome. So I did that. And about a week goes by and he calls. He says, hey, man, he says, do you think you can help us pay the utility deposit? You know, it's like 450 bucks. And I'm thinking, 450 bucks? You wow. must have really screwed something, something up. up. Somewhere, yeah. And, and I just, and just, you know, you know how I am. I kind of say it the way it is. And I was like, hey, bud, you know, if you can't afford to turn the utilities on, you probably shouldn't take on another house. Right. And he says, you know what, John? He says, he says, I received that. He says, I, he says, I want you to know, I was praying before I called. And he says, I really feel like the Lord was saying, you need to open a house. 
So I went home and I said, hey, babe, I think we just opened an aftercare. <laughs> Which is what they, that's what the terms, terminology was yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah. And so um, we didn't have a policy, a procedure. We didn't have a, we didn't have a stick of furniture. And before we even, you know, so before the, before we even really figure out that this is what we're going to do, we end up having uh, a federal parolee come to us and um, literally they're still in there, still painting the house. Yeah. And the fed guy shows up and we walk through, he says, so what are you doing here? And I tell him, it's kind of like this, it looks like that. You know, I think we're going to do this. And he goes, I think you, I think you get the, you're on the right track. He says, I like what you're going to do. He says, but I have a black hat and I have a white hat and I like to wear the white hat, but I know how to wear the black hat. So he says, you figure out which one you want to want me wearing when I show up. So, nice. uh, and that was totally cool. And come to find out he was a Christian and, and he, you know, he really did, he prayed for us, you know, wow. which was so cool. And so we started there and then we're thinking there's this unwritten rule. Like there are a lot of those with, with our friends at parole yeah. where they say no more than two, two registered citizens can be in any house. Yeah. And okay. next thing I know, I have five. And I'm waiting for the doors to get bolt, you know, knocked down. Right. And uh, I get this PO that comes in, this young lady, and she says, "Now look, don't don't take my meekness for weakness." She goes, "But I like what you're doing here." She goes, "This makes so much sense that you get everybody in one place. I can call, make one phone call. I can find out what's going on in a minute, and you know that if one guy screws up, you're all going down." Yep. And it's like, there you go. <laughs> There's somebody talking sense. And so that's how we got started, man. It was just, you know, we started there and then we rented another property and then we bought some property. And then next thing I know, I've got four houses. And then we, you know, had a couple of knockdown drag outs with, with uh, child safety zones where parole right. said, hey, you got to move your people. Yeah. Well, the first time they gave us 30 days. The next time we knew it was coming, had conversation with them for almost a month. And then they called us the day of and they said, you guys are in violation. You have 24 hours to move. I remember that. And that's why me, we have, that's why we're sitting out here at the ranch. Yep. Because it was like, no stinking way. I can't keep doing this. So it took me two and a half years to find this property. And then we moved out here and that's turned into another set of <laughs> issues. But bless God, you know, he's bigger with than every, this. With every victory, there's also opposition. Well, so. you, listen, you can't have a victory without a battle. That's right. You know, I mean, you cannot, you cannot, you have to fail as well in order for you to succeed. And a lot of people get all screwed up with that because they think, you know, you're, you're a mess if you fail. I have so many failings. I had one of my leaders, I just kind of give you an insight on, on, on how we think here at New Name Ministries, a little bit different than, than a lot of places. Yeah. But <clears throat> we had a guy that, that failed and he thought, well, I failed, therefore I don't, I shouldn't be a leader. And I said, wrong. I, I, talk, I said, I called out David Powers, my, my community development director. I said, David, I said, how many times have you failed since you graduated? He just started <laughs> laughing. I said, is that, is that dismissed you from the calling to do what you're doing for the kingdom in this ministry? He just laughed. He says, no, sir, not for a minute. He's, I said, so what's, what's the deal? He says, he says, just because you fail doesn't mean you're not supposed to lead. It just means you have to change the way you're doing your business. Yeah. You know, and, and so, I, and I think there's a lot of biblical uh, precedents for that as well. Oh, I so. should hope so. Either that, or I'm all messed up. Which but, I don't understand why the church is so church, today's church is so backwards in that. Yes, that if you mess up, you're out. There's yes. no restoration. There's no. Yeah. You, we're not going to work you back into leadership. You're just you're gone. Well, that's because we're not living to please God. We're living to please man. Yeah, 
and you know it's it's turned into a microwave mentality it's like hey you don't like you don't like it just leave yeah. you know so they do that with parishioners they do that with with the leadership and, and that's totally unbiblical you know you're supposed to raise them up gently you know not supposed to get rid of them they, they have a calling they have a responsibility and it's the church's responsibility to lift leaders up when they fall and it's just it's just like it's unfortunate we like to shoot them well in <laughs> texas we like to shoot everything <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the church uh, has that reputation of shooting their wounded. Yeah, and, uh, and it's, it, that's it, unfortunate. It, break, it breaks my heart. And I, it, the only way I've learned to, to really make peace with that is to recognize that I'm not here to serve the church. I'm here to serve the king yeah. and his church. And that means I have responsibility to be a reflection of that. I look, at, I look at us as people that are willing to take a bullet for those people that the church are trying to shoot. Yeah. You want to shoot the wounded. I'm going to step in front of you and say, wait a minute. Right. You know, and um, um, so new name ministries, you got, you got a ranch out here. It's so beautiful out here. Uh, We're posting, I'm going to, I took some video and pictures, so we're going to put all those on the website, on the show page. So, um, so you can come out here and see, and, uh, and, and you can house, how many you can house out here? So right here and now, like in the, in the stone ranch, we can do, only two men per bedroom with parole. But if we have federal parolees or probationers or people who are here pretrial, then we can put more men in those big bedrooms that you saw over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Um, so your capacity, 30, 40 people? Uh, our capacity is about 28 people right now between our Travis house down in Fort gotcha. Worth and then out here at the ranch. Uh, you know, we, we were at almost 40 people when parole came in and, and basically said that, you know, we were... Uh, not operating under appropriate guidelines, which... So let's talk about some challenges you face, because, I mean, yeah. I've, I've faced some of them myself as a reentry program. Yeah. But what are some of the challenges that that our, our type of people that work in our field face with parole? I th- like, I'm going to make it a bit broader brush than that, because really where my, where my mind first started going is the lack of, lack of support that's there from the church and lack of support from from others because we're not a feel good ministry. We're right. we're actually doing the restorative work, and you know a lot of people want to go into prisons and get them saved, but they don't want to take and and pay the cost of what that looks like when they come out. I've never had a salary at at our ministry. When we first started out, I thought I could make a you know at least twenty four thousand dollars a year. Yeah, uh, that went by the way. You know, just a few years in, after we did our first five years, I went a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Hmm. So the lack of resources yeah. is is a, a big issue. You know, so you know, I have one church that supports us. It's the one that sent me off as a domestic missionary from Maine to Texas, and they're still sending us forty dollars a month. Wow, that's awesome. You know, which is it's it's not a lot, but it's it's it's. It's consistent and faithful, yeah. huh? Yeah, it really is, and that's that's, awesome. that's what the kingdom looks like. Yeah, and then. Um, you know, and then personal resources. It, it always surprises me. You know, we take care of the mess that others helped make, and they don't. They don't seem to save up for their kids for when they get out of prison. They don't seem to to you know recognize that the reason that they're doing well is because the people who are doing what they wouldn't or couldn't do with yeah. them. Yeah. And uh, so this is not meant to be a kick in the teeth for people. Uh, I'm not trying to shoot anybody down here. I'm just saying that, you know, that's been one of the challenges because financially we have just always, by God's grace, made it, yeah. made it through. And, um, 
you know, dealing with parole has been very challenging because, you know, we focus on working with the, you know, the lepers of society. You know, we're not just felons. We're felons who seem to have an unforgivable crime, yeah. you know, uh, socially as, as primarily dealing with men who have been charged with a sexual offense. Right. And so, you know, they're, they're registered. They've served time. They've, some of these guys, you know, they've served, depending on what era they went through, 40 years. Yeah for a charge that now they're, you know, they're getting 15 for or whatever it is. But longer short story is, is that, you know, there's, there's heavy punishments that come along with a sexual offense. And then when people get out, you know, they're like, well, that's what, that's what you're always going to be. Right. You know, which, wow, where's the hope in that? It's almost like, you know, the, the, the worse they paint the picture of, of you on your label. Yeah. Um, determines almost like, you're serving a second sentence once you get out here. Oh yeah, no, it's you know I'm I'm still I'm I'm a former sex offender and I'm on the on the the registry here in Texas and I have to register every ninety days, and you know it, and I've had I've been vandalized, I've had my life threatened, I've 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 been evicted, I've been. Um, <laughs> Just, I've been I've been tormented by by law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had I've had all, pretty much anything you can think of. Yeah. It's come my way. Yeah, and it's like you know, how do, how do you respond to that? Well, if you have to respond in love, what does that look like? Well, you don't shoot back, right? You know, and and you you accept the fact that they're acting out of ignorance. Yeah, you know, it's like you don't you don't kick. You don't kick somebody when they, when they tell you they got cancer. You don't kick them. You know, it's just, it's, to me, it's a sickness in our society that people have come to this place of, of thinking that uh, retribution is going to change anything. Yeah. Or that, you know, the, the, the sickness that I, I see in our society uh, is the, the person or groups of people who look at criminals in varying crimes all the way from murder, sexual offenses, even alcoholics, drug addicts, right. the general consensus in society and sometimes even the church, unfortunately, is that we can't change right. or that we have a disease. We want to label everything as a disease and, and, and we're, we're, we're beyond cure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've heard them say that about alcoholism Drug drug addiction, right? Uh, even being a sex offender, right. once you commit a sex crime, you have a disease, right? And you're never going to be cured. You're yeah. always going to be yeah. this, yeah. You yeah. know, and 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 people like you, amazing men of God, hmm. who changed their life way back when, and have doing this now. I mean, how long has it been since God turned your life around? Thirty years. Thirty years. Um, but you, you're still vulnerable to. The yeah, society's absolutely. point of view and perspective, and, and I hate that, you know, because uh, I know what I go through just as being a, a DWI offender, right? And and it just rolls off my back because again, I know most people are just ignorant, yeah. But I I can't imagine, you know, um, and and and, and I and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be full disclosure, transparency. When I got out, when I got out of prison, I think we've had this conversation before, but when I got out of prison, John. I was your typical churchgoer and, and, and society member that had a vision to serve alcoholics and drug addicts. Mm-hmm. And the first five people and families that God sent me out of prison were families that had loved ones that were sex offenders. 
Yeah. Or sex offenders. And I was just like, okay, God, what's going on? You know, is this some, some kind of joke? Right. You know, where's the alcoholics? Where's the drug offenders? You know, uh, <laughs> that's who I want to minister to. And he's like, no, I need you. And I'm like, what? Get another sex offender who's serving the Lord to go minister to these people that you want to be. He's like, no, I need you. I need you, who's not one, right? to say, I'm willing to stand shoulder to shoulder, back to back with one, and walk this journey with you. Yeah. And John, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that it took about 30 days for God to convince me. <laughs> and I look back at how ignorant I was back then. Yeah. Not only as a member of society, but spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because I yeah. didn't, I didn't understand the le- the depth of God's grace that I did not understand back then. Yes. And the difference now that I see. Right. And, and, and honestly, honestly, John, I, I was like, I was contemplating back then that, that, that fight that I had with God for 30 days. And, hmm. and I was talking to somebody and I was like, man, some of my best friends now, are people who went to prison for sexual offenses. Yeah. And honestly, I trust them alone with my family and kids more than some of the people who sit on the third row in church. <laughs> it's it's and unfortunate. It, and, and I it's get be, it. And it's I get because it. I've walked this journey, I've seen the rejection, yeah. but I've seen the resilience from from the Christians that are... But, but then I've seen the hurt from the unsaved former sex offenders. Mm-hmm. I see the hurt that is lashed on them yeah. by church. Yeah. And I'm like, how in the world would they ever want to be a Christian when the church treats them like this? Yeah. You know, you were you were talking earlier about uh, wanting to label it a disease and, you know, saying that people can never get well. I was very fortunate when I went through treatment. First of all, they said it was going to take three to five years for me to go through treatment. And I did it in 19 months. And I did it that way because what had been fostered in me was to be uh, radically and ruthlessly transparent and honest with myself and others. You know, it's like, you know, once you take and bring stuff out of the light, it doesn't have power over you anymore. Right. When you get real about the stuff that, that puts you in the place where you were able to do the things you did, all of a sudden it takes on a different form and you don't want anything to do with it. You realize that is not who I am. That's not what I want to do. So I was in treatment, and I remember they gave me this assignment. They said, we want you to write about the worst event that took place between you and your victim. See, I'm a real sex offender. I was a guy who, who really has a victim. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I'm so sorry for that. I wish, yeah. I, I, wish, I, wish I could have come to this place differently. Yeah. You know, but I'm not going to question God. So <laughs> I did that, and I was a puddle, man. There was nothing left in me. I was just shaking from the inside out after I read that, that, that report yeah. to the group and the treatment one of the treatment providers I had two of them one was a male one was a female and the female came over she stood in front of me and she was a rape survivor and uh, she said John she goes I want you to understand this is like a disease that can be contained and treated and it can be it can be contained so that you never have to worry about this happening again in your life and also I want you to know that just because you did these things it should not take away from all the good things that you did hmm. as a father too. Wow. And it's like, that's, that was so profound yeah. for me to understand that somebody who was a victim could speak life into yeah. me like that yeah. and speak hope into, you know what? 
this can change. Yeah. And I had to work for it, though. Just like we have to supposed yeah, to work out absolutely. our salvation. Yep. It's like, why would they say work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Because, you know what? It's just like you. You've had... You, how long have you been clean and sober? 17 years and 11 months and one week. So there we go. And why is that important? Because what you did before that... Yep was not who you were. No. It wasn't your life. It's what you chose to do. It was all poor choices. Yeah. And that was the key for me when I realized that, you know, I, you know, people hide behind, I don't know. Why'd you do that? I don't know. I've just always been like that. Yep. It's like, wait a second. So what I did, I did by choice. Wait a second. That is freeing. Yeah. That means I can choose not to. So if I can choose not to, I don't have to go back to where I came from, which means I can live yeah. a real life and not be a phony, not be a poser, not be living a lie. I was a dead man walking, man. I mean, on the outside, everything looked shiny. I had, I had businesses. I had properties. I had, you know, I mean, I, I looked like a good dad. I, even, I think I even looked like a good husband, but I was none of that. Yeah. Now, it didn't mean I didn't have integrity in my business affairs. It didn't mean I didn't have integrity in my financial affairs. It meant that you know, it didn't mean I didn't have capacity because obviously I had professional licenses right. and all this, but I didn't have character. Hmm. I had capacity, but no character. Wow. And it's because I had no plumb line in my life. I wasn't raised a Christian. Now, if you asked me if I was a Christian, I would have told you I was because I everybody knew, in, I knew the Texas secret handshake. I knew the code word. Yep. You know, Jesus Christ is Lord. He was born of virgin, virgin birth. He, you know, he died on the cross. He was resurrected on the third day. Jesus. You, all, you know all the passwords. I didn't codes, know Jesus yeah. from Geronimo. <laughs> you know? But I, but I did know I did know the dark side of the spiritual world. Yeah. I knew that intimately. The intimacy that Jesus talks about, yeah. I had that in the dark world. Yeah. And it got to the point where I realized I had given myself up to that identity so much so that I didn't even have control over my own emotions wow. and actions. And my little baby girl from my second marriage, she was the only thing in this world that I, that I could say I loved and I didn't want to see harmed. And yet I knew because of how diseased I had become that there was no respecter. My behavior, my, yeah. my, my thought life was no, no respecter of persons. And I, I remember just knowing that I was out of control and I just basically told God prophetically because I didn't know what I was saying. Yeah. God either deliver me, I had no idea what deliverance was, or take me out mm. because I can't keep going. Yeah. And the phone rang the next morning, and a guy invites me to a men's prayer breakfast. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, that was fast. And I ended up, you know, That's I must have so been bound great. for ministry because it was a free meal at the other end of this thing, you know. So, <laughs> but I ended up going to that meeting, and I saw men, they shared testimonies about things that were really critical. One man's wife was dying from cancer, another man was losing his home because his business was failing. And there was another man that had something else going on. And they sang some simple worship with a guitar. They shared these testimonies. And I wanted what they had because I had no hope. And so I left. And I, that was a Saturday morning. I didn't tell anybody I was going to church. I got up. I went to church secretively. 
hid up in the second, in the balcony, in the shadows. It was a Baptist church. If they gave an altar call, I didn't hear it. I just came out saying, I need Jesus, and I'm going to change the way I live. My answer is yes. And a guy from a 12-step program that I had been involved with drives in the parking lot and says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, it's, it's not working. Whatever I've been doing is not working. He says, you need more? I said, I do. He said, do you have a Bible? I said, I don't. He says, I got one. I'm going to get you a Bible. I'm going to get you a guy to, to understand it. Wow. And so I was very fortunate. God gave me that. That was my re-entry model. Yeah. Because three months later, I went to the pastor and I told him, I stopped my offending behavior at that point in time. And I turned all my attention toward becoming a man of God. And the family didn't like it because they knew how to deal with the monster. They didn't know how to deal with the man of God. Yeah, wow. And three months later, I went to the pastor to tell him about my pre-Christian lifestyle. And he said, John, you need to be accountable. You and your victim need help. And so I thought it was going to be, hey, you know, I'm going to be out of the house for a while. We're going to go ahead and get restored. The system wasn't set up to restore no. nothing. No. They removed me. They, they, they wanted nothing but a divorce. They, they, did, you know, they didn't really provide a full measure for my victim to get the help that she needed. Yeah. And it just was, it was sorrowful. Yeah. It was painful. I needed the pain. She didn't, though. Yeah. Um, Anyways, long and short was is that um, all of that contributed to my ability to take and do what we do at New Name Ministries. So they hear about your, your place in prison. How do they find out about it? Well, I mean, probably word of mouth, a lot of word of mouth. I know, I, I I know ours is I think a lot there's of some of, of that. Uh, we're on the state's alternative housing resource list, okay. and uh, if that's current if they can even get a hold of it um and i know why you're laughing yes you do so it's uh it's funny because they call quarterly to update the information but sometimes the list in prison is two to three years old (laughs) i still have you know that debacle that took place out here two years ago uh i still we still have guys who say are you guys still open (laughs) yeah you know and it's it's so sorrowful because the system you know, it's our tax dollars paying for all this, and they should be doing a better job. There's so much. These days, there's so, so, so many different apps, programs, yeah. software yeah. that is so available for them to help, you know, improve the system. And it's it's still draconian in its measures. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Tolliver, the deputy director of parole, when I was talking to him one time about ankle monitors, um, he, he, he admitted, because he's been... He started as a parole officer and came was there when they implemented the ankle monitors, and he admitted to me that the current use of them is antiquated and barbaric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when you have the deputy director of parole, he's retired now. <laughs> yes. But when he's saying the own their own system that they use is antiquated, name me it. Show me another business that if they were continuing to use antiquated stuff. The would, post office would still <laughs> okay. Yes. Hey, oh, it's government yeah. again. I'm sorry. Name me a business outside of the outside government. Outside of the government <laughs> that could stay in business right. using antiquated systems. Nobody. I remember I used to work for Walmart, and all his daughter and all his son, Sam Walton. I got to meet Sam Walton uh, when I first had my first job working at Walmart. I got to meet him, 
and um, he was hand everything. I mean, all department managers, we would, we would use a big red book and hand write all inventory incoming out everything. Wow. It was incredible how antiquated it was, but in the face of growing technology, his sons and daughter would say, dad, we gotta, we gotta get on board with this technology stuff. Yes. And the very first thing they had was this, they called it a Telzon, and it would allow you to scan stuff in and scan stuff out and read pricing and all this stuff. And eventually we got rid of the big red notebooks and everything was digitized, but it was not till after he died. Right. After he died was yes. when they, they felt like they had the freedom and they weren't dishonoring, you know, right. their dad by, but, but they held on to that antiquated system as long as they could, or as long as they did. And then, and then all of a sudden, you see a huge difference in their sales. Because I, I worked at Walmart for oh. several times in my life. So I, I saw, you know, I, I got to read all the reports. But man, as soon as they upgraded all their technology and moved on from antiquated system, the whole company got better. Right. Yes. And I just wonder if, if, if and again... It's a business. Yes. It all comes down to the money from the judicial side to the prison side to the parole side. It's all about money. Yeah. And if we were to take away, if we were to shut down all the prisons and parole everybody at the same time, a lot of money would be lost. Jobs, positions, salaries, and they're just not going to do that. So they're going to do whatever they can from a judicial standpoint to keep the prison, you know, and then they have all these third-party commissary videos phone calls, everything that is third party. These third party vendors are making the killing and they're giving they're giving part of the killing back to TVCJ. Yes. I think you were in the same meeting with me one time uh, when we had kind of a coalition of reentry people. I think you were at that one when we all met it at the at the Agape printing in Fort Worth and there yes. was that old man who uh, who said he did time in prison and and he uh, he let us know he said he said, prison ain't broke. TDC ain't, TDCG ain't broke. They have, I, I think he said their, their revenue is like the largest uh, line item on the state's budget. <clears throat> and so they're never going to go broke. But at the same time, people like Brian Stevenson, Equal Justice Initiative in Alabama, in the documentary, the, I think he was in the documentary, The 13th Amendment, he said, true criminal justice reform will never take place because there's so much money involved. Right. Yeah. And I have to agree with them. Yeah. And everybody's like, no, that can't be true. It's true. It's true. It, it's a, it's, it's another form of slavery. Yeah. Because I mean, look at in Texas Department well, of Corrections, you have men working for free. Well, the 13th amendment states that all slavery was illegal except for Ooh. incarceration. Ah, so it, I, did, I wasn't aware of the 13th Amendment. And I know, yes. I know I've been taught that, but I've, yes. I've forgotten. So, so I'm old. It, so it is. It still is a legal form of slavery. And, um, and so it's crazy because, I mean, and, man, I'm going to have you back on on another sure. episode. And we're sure, going to talk absolutely. about the criminal justice system yeah. and everything wrong with Because, you know, if you go it, out and, to our website and you go under resources, you'll see that I have a... Uh, not a white paper, I guess, but just the, kind of an overview of social reform, my, my perspective, which is which is what I feel like I'm doing. I mean, I'm the founder and director of New Name Ministries. I hope I have a vision for what we do for the nation because I think what we do 
speaks for itself. I mean, yeah. we, we have a, we're a very effective program. We have a very low rate of recidivism, which means we have less victims, less cost to the taxpayers, and less burden on parole and probation right. and the courts. And I mean, I got par- I got a parole officer who called me the day. He says, I don't understand why people have a problem with you in, in parole. He says, none of your guys end up in court. I don't have to go to hearings. I don't have to go to, to you know, sentencings. I don't have to go to, to, to any of these things. He says, you know, he says, I, I, he says, John, I really don't get it. He says, you guys are, are amazing. Yeah. You know, even the guys, even the guys who don't make it through our program, the one year commitment, he says, most of those guys, he says, if they've done 90 days with you, he says, you've stabilized them so well, you've gotten them on their feet, found them a job. They, they have enough resources to get, get down the road and to make it. He says, yeah. and, and he says, and that's yeah. just, you know, that's why we're so strong about right. entry, right. you know, uh, what piece of advice, I, you probably get calls. I get calls all the time of people wanting to pick my brain and ask for advice mm-hmm. on starting a transitional house. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you get those too. But, oh, sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, spent a lot of time with a lot of people over the years. And I, What do you tell people that want to do what we're doing? It's going to cost you more than you have. It is, from my perspective, if you want to be effective, then... You're going to have to invest more than money. You're going to have to you have to put some blood, sweat, and tears into it. Yeah, uh, you've got to understand that there are people. Thirty percent of the people in the general population have significant sociopathic tendencies, which means they lie rather than tell you the truth, even if it costs them. It doesn't make any sense. But the prison society fosters that very well. Yes, you know you're going to lie for self preservation. So you're trained, you're trained to lie. And so, uh, you know, 30% of the people that are going to come to you, probably more than that, yeah. are going to have sociopathic tendencies. And you can either choose to use that offense, that, that, that offensive behavior, as your opportunity, or you can be offended and lose your opportunity. So I learned a long time ago that every offense is an opportunity for upgrade. Yeah. So when somebody offends, it's like, ah, now we got something. Now I got a target to shoot at. Not the person, but the problem. And a lot of times people, they take things personally. You can't afford to, if you're going to be involved in this arena, to take it personally. Right. You've got to learn to take it professionally. Now, what that means is the other side of the table may choose to be unprofessional. And you don't have any control over those people. Now I could say I do have control because they, you know, they they have a program that they agreed to, and I've got a contract with them, and all that happiness. But the reality is, is in their heart of hearts, you know, it's like a little kid when you scold them, tell them to sit down. They can say, "I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside." Yeah, and it's like, you know, I'm not here to force people to be right. something they're not. I don't, I don't want performers. Well, let's talk about let's talk about your program because you said it yourself earlier. I don't know if it was this time or the uh, the time when I wasn't recording <laughs> the practice session, but uh, <laughs> but. You said it yourself. A lot of people start these things and, and burn out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, we've been doing it. We've been doing our program for th- uh, 13 years, uh, but we've only had the houses for nine. We're going on nine years. Awesome. You know, and going on strong. And we got future plans. I know you got future plans. Um, so let's talk about your program. So they get out. And what, what is your program about? What, what, what is somebody from New Name Ministries going to experience? Sure. What are they going to learn? What are you going to teach them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they first come out, we feel as though they need to have a uh, a period of time where they can just de-escalate. Right. You know, they need a time to be reoriented. 
And so we literally have one of our graduates who comes in and goes through an orientation packet with them. We have a curriculum that is for the first 30 days. So we're not focusing on them getting a job. We do all the other things that are involved leading up to them, you know, getting their, their ID and driver's licenses. And a lot of times they don't come out with their birth certificates and social security cards right. and all those things that they're supposed to have. So we have a lot of running around. Plus they have their meetings with parole and registration and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that first three days is just decompression. You know, they come out, they've been on chain, they, their head's in a blender and they don't know who they are, where they are. And even if they're strong believers coming out to, you know, coming out, it's like you can be a really strong believer on the inside when you got a yellow line to tell you you go this far and you got an eight foot ceiling, a six foot wall, and you got a, you know, 10 foot cell. And, and somebody else making most of the choices for you. Right. Yeah. You know, you're dumbed down. So you choose not to swear and you choose to be, you know, uh, God bless you, brother. And uh, <laughs> too blessed but, to be stressed. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then you come out and it's like, whew, all of a sudden you're not trying to burn time. You're trying to find time. Yep. And, you know, so we have to decompress and, and bring them into that place. And so we use, we use curriculum that helps them come into a kingdom culture because our goal is from get them from prison culture into kingdom culture. And even the kingdom culture within the walls is limited in its capacity because yeah. there's only so much character that's going to bode well yeah. behind the walls. <laughs> and then you have to find out, you come out and it's like, okay, so, you know, the first couple of days, guys are just trying to figure out who are these people and what is this really all about? Because I know what I read. I think I do, you know, but we have these filters, you know, yeah. we hear what we want to hear. We see what we want to see. We interpret the way we want to. And then we come out and we go, well, that's not what I thought it was going to be. So we have like a 90-day probation period. Look, man, we're engaged, okay? It's not the diamond. It's just the, it's just the engagement ring here. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, if it's not a good fit for you in 90 days, feel free to say, this is not where I belong. I need to move on. And we bless you in that. Thank you for being honest with yourself and the rest of us. Now, we can also help you by saying, you know what? You're not a good fit for us because we don't see a man who's genuinely committed to transformation. If you don't think you got a problem, if you don't think you need to change, you know, the way you're doing things, then you're not ready for who we are. Yeah. And we bless you. Go out and, you know, we'll talk to you later. Yep. And so, and that's okay because we're not holding their feet to the fire. This is completely voluntary. You come here because you want to become to a spiritual boot camp. We have right. a 14 page application. We do, you know, we do a criminal. Uh, assessments on people. We, we want to see how sincere, you know, how manipulative are they? How sociopathic are they? You know, it's like, eh, okay, this guy, you know, is this a treatment issue? Is this going to be a community issue? It's like, you know, so we, we make a big effort at, at, you know, helping these guys when they come out to, to really get grounded and to, to get into the groove of recognizing that a peer driven community is your safest bet to success. Yeah. Because they can help you navigate through not just logistics of parole and registration and, you know, what's going on in the home, but also in regards to dealing with your stuff. Because if you, if you can have an honest relationship and say, you know what, you know, I'd really like to go over there and beat the crap out of so-and-so right now. Let's talk about that. Where's that coming from? Yeah. Is that your daddy issues? Yeah. You know? Is that your, your fear of losing control? Is that your, you know, what is it, you know? It's always a hard issue. Oh, always. Always a hard yeah. issue. So, you know, we're going after the heart. We're not going after the behavior. A lot of programs feel like they're, you know, that the main thing is just, you know, 
just keep peace. Just make everything flow. Just, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. That is trouble. That is just a problem that's going to end up in someone's plate and they're not going to want to eat it. And, you know, I don't want to see any more victims out there and I don't want to see people perpetuate their problems. It's like, no, let's, let's get after this, but let's make sure we attack the problem and not the person. That's good. So we do, uh, we do one thing called a restorative engagement workshop, which is where we literally take them back to the beginning. It's like, okay, you had a mom and a dad, they were given stewardship over you as a child and they did their best and we're not here to criticize them or condemn them or, or to, to tell you not to love your parents, but they only could, could give you what they had. Right. So let's look at that. And it's important to talk about that. I mean, that's one. Of those, yeah. I think that's one of the things that that they really are missing in the prison system is finding out what happened to these. Where's the root? Ha- There's yeah. a root to this. Yes. Where, where'd it come from? And, and some of that is generational. And yeah. I remember this really cool story about this gal who uh, her her mom came for a holiday and um, she was preparing the uh, the ham to go in or the roast. I guess it was a roast to go into the oven and she cut the ends of the of the roast off and threw them aside and the mom said, sweetie, what'd you do that for? She goes, mom, that's what you used to always do when, when we were kids. And she goes, well, baby, that's because my pan was so small the roast wouldn't fit in it. <laughs> you know? And so we end up doing these things not even knowing not why even we're doing why. them. Yeah. And so, you know, it's called the traditions of men. And so we see a lot of that in the church. We see it. It's just family things that carry over. You know, uh, we talk about the generational aspect of, you know, what sins were in your family that you learned. For me, I was a rageaholic. Now, you would never think that of me today. No, I know. You know, because I'm the chill dude. You (laughs) know, I'm the guy. I love on people. Nice little teddy bear. (laughs) You know, I hug on folks. I love on them. But, you know, but the reason I can do that today is because I was willing to pay the price to deal with my brokenness. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that when someone's getting angry or whatever, it's like, I'm not seeing them as an angry person. I'm seeing them as a scared person who needs to be told, "Your, your, your fear does not make me scared. Your brokenness doesn't doesn't make me judge you and I'm going to love you into the place where you can get on the other side of this and find out that that's not really who you are. That's not how you have to do life. And so it's like, okay, so we can stop cutting the end off the roast, right? you know, and we can start living from a different perspective because reality is perspective. But if your perspective is skewed from, listen, you're already predisposed to go to prison you know, you were, you were drinking alcoholically and you were being a jerk, you know, you're putting people at risk out there while you were driving drunk. And then, you know, you're in prison, which is not a whole lot of an upgrade. Uh, <laughs> but fortunately, God got a hold of you in the midst of that enough so that when you got out, you had enough to keep going, Yeah. you know, but you don't want to be, you don't want to stop with that. You don't want right. to just coast when you come right. out. Exactly. You want to, you want to accelerate. And so you have to be intentional about that. So we do that decompression period, and we try and get, get them set up so that by the time they're at the end of their 30 days, if they're on spot, we already have our guys are so cool that they are such good employees that the employers are like, do you have any other guys available? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they end up carpooling to work together. They end up, you know, a lot of them end up working in the same place. And, and it just makes life a lot easier because they're doing life together, Right. you know? That's good. Yeah, they're getting a life, you know, and so 
I hear I hear a lot of times that some of the best times that they have is they're graduating and they're roasting each other and they're, yeah, you know, yeah, what yeah. have you. But they're talking about how some of the most invaluable time spent in the ministry was going back and forth to work and talking in the mornings or talking on their way home or, you know, sorting out the problems and talking about how do how would God deal with this? How does how, you know, how do I deal with, you know, what so-and-so is doing? Or, so one of my favorite things to do at Forgiven Felons is to stay connected to former residents yeah, and, yeah. and see where they're going track their successes, mm-hmm. uh, see if they've gone backwards and, and write them in prison if I need to. And right. So tell us about just maybe one person that, that uh, you know, graduated from the program and is mm-hmm. doing well and put a name on it and tell us what, he is, yeah, what he's yeah, doing yeah. now. So the, the person that comes to mind is a gentleman who came to us. Of course, we're, we're known as being experts in sex offender reentry, but this gentleman doesn't have a criminal history of that nature. His is much more sorted with, with uh, the stuff books has written about. I mean, he, he was a human trafficker, not sex trafficking, but human trafficking between Mexico and America, okay. you know, getting him on the, the semis and getting him across wow. the border. He was, you know, getting him out of Guatemala and, you know, smuggling people all over South America. He's got machete mark down his chest from where wow. he got attacked one time because they were basically stealing these people out of the... the uh, what do they call those drug lords down there? The cartel, yeah. you know? So, I mean, he, he's got some crazy stories. He was a drug wow. dealer and he was, he was uh, just a, uh, he was a kid who was adopted, wow. had great Christian parents and he was just a genuine jerk. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, he, he was, but he was always a gregarious kind of, people just loved him because David's that kind of a guy, but it was always the opportunist looking for the opportunity to serve himself, always self-centered, you know? And so when you're broken, it never comes out well. Right. So he ends up in a jail down in Blanco County. And basically what they say, um, you know, you need to find some place to go. We were the only ministry that wrote him back. Wow. And so he comes to New Name Ministries. And at that point we had some... mm, less than less than full measure leadership in the home that he went to and so he's like what the heck is going on the lord's telling me i need you to call this guy and you need to tell him that he's going to meet with you every week which i don't usually do i let people come to me i don't chase after them that's just my standard and so i called him i said hey david this is this is what the lord showed me and he's like oh yeah okay that's fine that's cool that's great dang and so Long and short is after about six weeks, he realizes, you know what, this is actually pretty good. I'm actually learning something. And so he starts engaging and he starts calling me on Monday nights rather than me having to call him. And so we stay the course with that. Long and short is, is that he ends up, while he's in the program, he gets three more charges, not new. These are old charges that found him. Mm. And so we end up going down to the courts in Blanco County and he ends up, you know, I even signed for him. I own this boy. So <laughs> he ends up, uh, because of his activity, his progress in the ministry, he ends up essentially just getting one year of, of probation and uh, just pays his fees and what have you. And now he's our community development coordinator. Wow. And he is, I married he and his bride, Laura. 
Uh, Laura has had a, has a special needs daughter that he has adopted, and uh, he has recently he went to work for an employment agency that was a background friendly employment agency, and he did well with them. The COVID stuff hit, and he's like, "What are we gonna do? Because there ain't nothing coming out of the pipeline here." And so he ended up taking a job with a construction company that six months later gives him a position as a foreman, the truck, the phone, the salary. Wow. And so there he is. He's, you know, so he's, he's involved with our ministry still, comes to our staff meetings. He talks to the guys. He stays on top of business with that. And he's, you know, he's, he's working at, he's involved in his church. He's part of the security team there. I mean, this guy, wow. you know, coming from that place, that's, that's, awesome. that's what redemption looks like. Yeah. Listen, here, here's, here, this is so, so good. This is something the Lord told me. And, I, and we, what I like about the story, uh, don't lose that thought. Yeah. But what I like about the story is that it wasn't just a, a clean, everything happened smoothly. Oh, no. I mean, you had to go down to... And, and do things. You had to get your hands dirty. You had to cultivate. You oh, had yeah. to, and that's what gardening and and cultivating growth yes. is all about. Yes. And uh, but the, but that type of work gets the, the 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 best results. Yeah. You know, when the Lord invests, He always gets a good return. Yeah. You know, and so uh, one thing that the Lord told me, He said, John, every perversion is just the wrong version of the right thing that's already in you. You cannot pervert something that's not there. Right. Well, that's a pretty simple, straight line, even I can understand thinking. I wish the church would understand that, because that's what redemption looks like. It is the restoration of that which has been perverted, which means that people who have gone you know, wherever, the, wherever they've gone off into the weeds, whatever area that is. Oh, well, okay, an alcoholic drug addict. What are we trying to do? We're trying to, to find peace. We're trying to, 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 to basically find that place where we are not scared anymore. Right. So if we're not supposed to be scared, that means we should be courageous. Okay, how do we get courage? Well, if, I think if you have the mind of Christ, you might get there. Uh, if you have the Holy Spirit, then you start drinking from the right well, you get the right results. You start becoming a harvester. You go out and you find the unrighteous and you revert them into the righteousness that they were created for because they are created in the image of the Father. Yep. You know? It's so good. It is good. It's, it's, and it's, it's so really simple. Good. And I don't understand why the church doesn't live it. I don't understand. You know, it's like I, I love some of the, some of the contemporary Christian fathers. And like one of them is Bill Johnson. I know some people out there go like, "Oh, he just lost me. I'm not going to say Bill Johnson." <laughs> ah, whatever. God bless you. Um, but you know, one of the things Bill talks about he says, "You know, the 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 man of the Gadarenes. You know, now if we were going to roll up on the man of the Gadarenes, we would, you know, we would have to get this get this guy delivered." We'd, we'd have to hold him down. We'd have to, you know, we'd have to anoint him. We'd have to, we would have to have him in psychotherapy Some for three years. Even touch him. <laughs> Most churches wouldn't even touch him. They would call somebody, you know, security. the police department. Security, security. <laughs> security. And, and it's like, you know, but it's like, geez, because we're operating out of fear. Right. We're not operating out of the place of our authority. 
and we don't believe in the power of the blood, we don't believe the word of God. Yeah, that's so good. And so we want we just want to disciple the clean people. <laughs> we want the people that are professionals and who tithe. And we don't want to offend them because I they'll know. go away. I know. They need to go away. <laughs> yes. I mean, for real, man. It's like, you know, I I love the church. I love the body. But I don't I don't love when we compromise for comfort's sake. Yeah. I don't I don't love when we We when do the we, same thing that the Pharisees and Sadducees did back in Jesus' day. I mean, they and even sometimes some of the disciples were like, Jesus, why are you hanging around this person? Why yeah. are you eating the Pharisees? Why are you eating at these people's houses? Right. You know, he hung out with sinners. The one verse said, uh, I think Matthew's house, sinners um, and other disreputable people. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And tax collectors. Tax collectors prostitutes. had their own. There were prostitutes in there, own. too. Oh, yeah. So and there was like, a prostitute in, in Jesus' line, too. Rahab. Don't I forget. Know. Rahab. It's I like, know. Why, why didn't they expunge that? You know? I just, in my, I, I don't get it why the church has to be this, I don't know. I mean, I just keep going back to this holier than thou. But it's all, it's all same, it's, same as back in Jesus' days. It's a religious spirit. The religious people it's, back in Jesus' days are the same, I mean, same type of religious spirit now that is yeah. heavy, heavy, heavy yeah. in the church. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, but in a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of preachers, a lot of leaders will hide behind. I got to protect the flock. And <laughs> that's like the church that says they don't have any sex offenders in their church. <laughs> okay. That's just a statistically impossible. Yep. Yep. Just it's, saying. I know. You know, and if, if you don't believe me, go find the information yourself because I'm not going to make it up. <laughs> I, uh, but I, it hurts my heart. Yeah. You oh, know? sure. It hurts my heart. And, um, but anyway, well, listen, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have you back on in the future and talk about our criminal justice system. Yeah. Not necessarily it, about your story or what you do here at New Name Ministries. But we're just going to talk about criminal justice systems, laws, bills. You know, we'll talk about just criminal justice reform uh, in general. What yeah. what needs to happen? What you know, different things. How we compare with other countries? I don't know if you've researched other countries and their rehabilitative programs. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Netherlands, I think, is has an incredible one. Um, I got a couple more questions though. If there were uh, a movie to be made about John Cordero and his life from back then to up now, hmm. who would you want to play you? Adult you, like right now you. I know there'd have to be like a teenage you or uh, a young kid you, but adult John, John Cordero, who would you? I don't know. You know what's so sad is that I am so disconnected from that world. <laughs> I really am. Um, I just... Do you remember the movie... Well, you may hate me for this, but I think it's more about just his gestures. Do you remember the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yes. Remember the principal? Was it the principal or the teacher? I can't remember. Is it either the principal? And I don't think it was the teacher because he was like, Bueller, Bueller. I think it was the principal. But your personality, not totally looks, but your personality... Uh, reminds me of that. Now you're going to go watch the movie, huh? Well, no, no, I'll just trust you. <laughs> I don't think he could play you now because I don't think older him would right, look like. But, right. 
but uh, yeah, but I, I like you know, really, that. I'm kind of outside of that that whole genre um, of the movie stardom kind of stuff. I uh, but I mean, it's an important question because maybe somebody wants to do a movie know. about your life one day. Know. So you know, I, just, I recently did a um, I recently did a um, an interview with uh, Lives on the Registry, which is out there at uh, the uh, narsal org, the National Association for the Reformation of Sex Offense Laws. And um, that was that was one of those things where uh, he was like, when he came out to saw the ministry, he said, man, he says, we need to do a documentary on this place. So maybe that's going to come, like come to pass, and like I, can, I can act myself. Yeah, there you go. You know? So let me ask you last question. Uh, well, not last, but last big question. If you had to do it all over again, hmm. go back as far as you want, Knowing what you know now, hmm. what would be different, if anything? That's a, you know, that's a, that's a, you told me you were going to ask me that question. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> because so much, I, I believe in a God who can use evil for good. Yeah. And I know that my life has done a lot of good for a lot of people who have been stung by, by evil. And that's not just the perpetrators, that's, that's the victims as well. Right. I, I, you know, the Lord's used me in a lot of different ways to, to minister to to take and, and restore and renew and to to revive people yeah. you know that that walked in darkness or walked with 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 a, a you know basically a thorn in their side that that could be removed you know and so i mean i hate that i that i have people that i've hurt you know that i've scarred for life i hate that um and if there's any way that i could go back and remove what i did but still learn what I know yeah. and be able to, to speak in the way that I speak and, and know what I know, then, you know, I would do that. I, I wouldn't want to put where, what I did on, on any, that's anybody. a great answer. Um, I don't remember the episode, but we had a previous episode with a, um, sex abuse victim by her father. Her mm-hmm. name's Priscilla Bordeo. And now she's an advocate in her home state, Michigan. And, She's a unique advocate because she advocates for the victim, but she also advocates for the perpetrator. Yeah, interesting. For, you know, restoration, for rehabilitation, for the perpetrator as well. Yeah. And she tells victims that she advocates for, look, the the biggest thing you want to happen is for your person that hurt you to never hurt anybody else again. Right. And that's the reason I advocate for them too. Yes. You know, and yeah. uh, and I just, I love her death. She's a personal friend. She used to live in Texas, but moved back home. Wow. God called her back home to Michigan, but she's been used. She was an uh, integral part of passing the Clean Slate Bill yes. up there in Michigan, which is a great, I wish they would do that in Texas. But she said the same, I asked her the same question. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I, don't, I mean, nobody wants to go through what I went through, but I don't know, I don't know, Jadan, if the lives that I'm touching now would have been touched right. had I not gone through what I went through. Yes. And so um, kind of kind of sounds like almost the same thing. I mean, obviously you said you don't want to, you wouldn't have wanted to hurt anybody. Oh. And if you could get to where you are now helping so many lives without having to go through that, yep. that'd be the best scenario. But I think it's just a telltale sign of of how God takes every situation that that, that seems bad and turns it into just, and it's not addition. It's multiplication. Right, right. And that's what I love about yeah. our Heavenly Father. Yeah. Well, I tell I tell our guys, I say, look, your mess is your message. Yep. You know? 
it's it's there's another there's another mess right behind you. There's somebody else coming behind you that that needs to hear your message about how you cleaned up your mess. And the mess can only get turn into a message with age. It takes time. But I mean, take the word mess, message, mess, uh, and age. Ah, uh, okay, I see you. So as the age messes, it becomes, or as the mess ages, yes, it becomes the, the message. message. Yeah. And, uh, and of course it's got to age yeah. properly, you know, you can't, you can't stew and, right. you know, you've got to have places yeah. like new name ministries that right. come and, yeah. and, uh, and I've had several, several, several other guests come on that have, have talked about the prison being able to do in the prison, what you do here, mm. you address the, right. you address the hurts oh, from, yeah. from generation yes. to, you know, go back into it. And yes. so, you know, um, well, listen, man, uh, how can people get involved? How can people help? How can people, uh, you know, help your ministry? Yeah. Well, certainly, you know, uh, you and I were talking about this earlier about, uh, you know, the experience of, of doing this for 17 years and, and where do you, <clears throat> what would you like to see change? I'd love to see people become more involved and understand that, um, you know, we, the men that come here, they're required to pay program fees. And the reason for that is because, we don't have people supporting the ministry, right? And it's, um, you know, it's not a feel-good ministry in the sense of you know other people. It's you know there's other things we can do, whether that's you know saving women and children out of sex trafficking, or or if it's you know helping the homeless or the Vietnam vets or whatever it is. And the, and I have nothing bad to say about any of that. It's just that this is this is critical too because we're we're here to stop yeah. the offending. Yep. You know, we're here to to, to to reduce the victims to zero. You know, and uh, you do that one at a time. You so you know if people want to get involved financially, that would be such a blessing to us. And I I look at it as financial encouragement. Uh, we don't our our ministry is basically operating at sixty percent of its uh, really appropriate budget. Right. So we're you know there's nobody making money here. Yeah. Uh, it's it's all hands on deck. Yeah, we have yeah. to thank God for our volunteers. Uh, we do have volunteers. If you, if you know, if you got gifts and callings that you think would be a good fit to New Name Ministry, I'd say go out to the website, check it out. You the can website reach us is org. Org, and yep. we'll have it. We'll have the link to that on our show page as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and so, uh, but you do have volunteer opportunities. Always, good. yeah. There's always volunteer opportunities, and so it's. You know, if it's if you're a bookkeeper, or if you're uh, you know somebody that that does finance, and you want to come in and work with, our, we're big on two things. We one thing we do is called an order and increase form. These guys have to do every week. Where do you spend your time, and where do you spend your money? And that's the one thing I've had the guys over the years say. I am so grateful you taught me how to master my money, because that's the one thing that they never learned. Yeah. And yeah. so they were a mess. They were a train wreck waiting to happen. So, you know, if you can... And Jesus spoke more about money than he did even oh, yeah. love. Oh, yeah. Because it's a barometer <laughs> of our heart. It's also a barometer of our wisdom and our, our ability to, to learn how to master our emotions because we can get into our wants real easy. Oh, yeah. So give me a couple things that our listeners can pray for wow. regarding New Name Ministries. Yeah, thank you for that. So, boy... One thing I didn't mention is, you know, the Lord showed me a few years ago the need to raise up my leadership because my job should be to take and step up. Yep. 
but I need other people to step yep. into that role. So I've been raising up leadership. This spring, we're going to be uh, passing the torch of the director, daily director, is going to be uh, Scott Johnson. He just got off of his probation. Uh, he's been with the ministry for seven years now. Oh, he's, been, he's been my Scott. armor bearer. He's, he's such a such an awesome guy. We love Scott. And um, and so, you know, be praying for our leadership. And, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that's like, I, I realize everything I'm doing is it, the Father's ceiling is a children's floor. Yeah. I'm not interested in this staying status quo. I'm interested in this thing growing outside of my own vision, outside of my character, outside of my capacity and, and my gifting. So... You know, I I want to I want to see my see this ministry grow like the kingdom should be. Yeah, and I so, like the way John Maxwell says it: become a ladder holder. Yeah, there you go. You know, help people up, help man. people up, and hold the ladder for them. You yeah, know, and help them climb. And so yeah, yeah. I see that that that's what you're doing. And so, yeah, and and so you know, the vision for New Name is to, is to become a national model. You know, okay. to to help others. So really, my focus as now executive director or national director is I want to help people do what we do. And I want to help them avoid the pitfalls. I want to help them, you know, understand uh, the things that they need to change in themselves personally. Yeah. Get that stuff out yes, of the way. Yes. Because if you get that out of the way, then you can put your energy where it really needs to be in, you know, developing the ministry and developing leaders within your ministry. And so, uh, you know, that's pray for pray for me in that regard. I also have um, a commission from the Lord to do a podcast called The Father's Heart for You. Mm. And really, I'm, I'm going to start doing these 10-minute segments that's called Take 10. And it's really going to be based off of God's Word out of Proverbs, because that's where the Lord, that was the cornerstone for me. Yeah. When I got my Bible and I have got dis- uh, discipled, it was that, hey, John, you need to read Proverbs every day and Psalms every night. And I was like, okay. And so, you know, you get, to, you get to hear the story of the forefathers in Psalms. You see where the battles are fought yeah. and, and, and the burdens that they carried and, and, and how they pressed in and pressed through and how they came into the... And the only way they got through it was out of their relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And then over in Proverbs, you get the instruction of the Father for us to take and be able to deal with the day-to-day events and the issues of the heart. Yeah. And so... Uh, these this take ten presentation is, is just going to be hey these are just segments these are bite sized pieces you can yeah. plug in get some downloads and on. this is all stuff you're working on yeah you so, don't have so, anything available yet right, nothing yet so okay. it's so I do have the website right. Father's Heart for You and uh, that's going to be you know I, I've got to go ahead and just I got to lay it down so by June first it'll be there operational you go. deadline June first twenty twenty one and so what I've been doing is I've been reading Proverbs. Because some people, like myself, I'm an audio learner. Yeah. I'm a visual and audio learner. So if I can hear the voice, you know, and voice is very important. And so, you know, if people are identifying... And you have a great one. Thank you. And, and, <laughs> and if people are identifying with my voice, then, you know, okay, so let them go ahead and they can plug in. The beautiful thing about Proverbs, there's one for every day of the month. Uh, absolutely. And so, and you can... I've, listen, I have read this over and over again for years. And I don't try and impress people with addresses and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I'd rather have you impressed by the choices I make and know that that came because I understand the context of what's in Proverbs. Right, right. So so the goal is to take Proverbs, share that with people in bite-sized format, and to extract the the gold and deliver it to them. I'm here to take and be like Robin Hood. So good. Except I'm going to be Robin Good. There you go. I love it. I love it. Well, John, thank you for your time. Thank you for all you do here 
at New Name Ministries. You're like a hero to me, not like one. You are one. And uh, <laughs> and you. I love I love uh, Cynthia as well. She's amazing. She is mostly because she tolerates you. Amen. But uh, you know that's hey that's that's what our our queens are for. Yes, man. indeed. They uh they they love us. They support us. Yes, and um and and they help us do this do this thing really well. Yes, they do. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to do it without her. You yeah. bet. So thanks again. Thank and, uh, you. God bless you. And, All right, uh, man. And, and I'll have you on the Father's heart. I can't you, wait because I because I know the one thing that the Lord showed me is that it's like you know what there are so many of my beloved out there that carry just treasures around with them and they're not pastors they're not people with degrees they're just people who love me yeah. and i and they carry something really special he says i bet if you just asked everyday people about what's in the what is in their heart that came from the father they'd be delighted to talk about that yeah. so i'm looking forward to just All kind right. of doing the man on the street kind of thing there you, know? you go can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Thanks cool again for coming on. All right, brother. Man, I, you know, I'm not even going to talk this long after this interview because everything that needed to be said was said. If you don't believe in God's love, grace, mercy, and how deep it goes, maybe even deeper than we can comprehend, like, like, like it went deeper than I could comprehend when I first got out of prison. And I know whatever level of grace you think God's grace and mercy and love stops at oh he couldn't love them oh he couldn't love that oh he couldn't you know and he couldn't love this person because this person is is unredeemable and honestly i haven't met a person that wanted to be redeemed that committed any kind of crimes did anything that was unredeemable for god the the only people that don't want to be that aren't going to be redeemed are the people that don't want to be redeemed and, you know, sometimes I'll have discounts, coupons, and gift cards and everything. And, and sometimes they'll just be piling up. They'll just be sitting there. And the only reason those coupons are not going to get redeemed is because I don't, I, I don't intentionally go redeem them. I don't want them to be redeemed. I may want them to. Like, oh, those are nice if I remember, if I get around to it. But anybody who wants to be redeemed from their sin, their past, can be. And man, I tell you, like I said, me and John have been friends for a while. We 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 loved uh, doing this interview. It, you know, Boyd is so far away from me, but I I it was worth the drive. And now that I've seen the ranch and just felt the anointing out there, I'm gonna probably make some more trips out there. So. Listen, if you know somebody who needs this type of redemptive story, and to me they're all the same, whether somebody's being redeemed from alcohol, drugs, whatever the crimes, whatever the sin, gossip, you know, God's love, he hates the sin and loves the sinner and wants to redeem us all the same. When me, when me and Jessamy got married, you know, God's grace leveled me and her to a point where she deserved me and I deserved her. It doesn't make sense to me, but man, and, and, and I love when we start talking about the church, not in a negative light, but in a improvement growth type of light. The church needs to get better. My church, your church, yes, your church too, you know, and to the world, to the lost, I want to apologize and say, I'm sorry. Cause we, we've, we've screwed it up. We screwed it up. We have watered down 
the redemptive power of the of the gospel to make you think that we're better than you and that you don't deserve to be redeemed because of a crime you've committed. And I want to say I'm sorry. And I want to say that's not that's not who the Christ is that we serve. That's not how he is. And I want to challenge you, wherever you're listening from, all over the world, it seems that people listen to us in Russia, Germany, Iceland. I mean, I can't believe how many people are listening all over the world to this podcast. So thank you to all of you who listen overseas, but also all of the number of you that listen here in the States. Thank you. But if you know somebody who maybe has committed some crimes that, that are a little more horrendous in other people's eyes, share this podcast with them. And let them know that just because us humans view certain things uh, as more as worse than others, God doesn't. God doesn't. God God wants to redeem anybody and everybody that wants to be redeemed. So I want to thank John and um, for doing the interview, New Name Ministries, for the the tour of the twenty five acre ranch. We put some pictures on the show page. Make sure you go to the the show page and see the pictures of the ranch. It's beautiful. So many, uh, so many awesome views out there, but we're going to, we're going to pray for John. But before we do, just remind you, go to the, go to the show page, go to newnameministries.org and, um, and click, we'll, we'll have all his information. We'll give you an update. Uh, but go to the website, the show page, and, and look at the pictures, and you'll you'll enjoy the view of the ranch. So, but thanks again for listening, and uh, let's pray over John and Cynthia and New Name Ministries. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for what you're doing in John and Cynthia's lives, what you've done, how you redeemed them, what you're doing through them, what you're doing in the lives of these men that come out of prison. We thank you. We thank you, and we bless them. We bless them. May the Lord bless them, keep them, cause favor, cause his grace to shine upon them. For now and evermore, we pray finances. We pray open hearts, open wallets. We pray everything they need to advance your kingdom through Psalm 40 Ranch. And we pray for hedge of protection. We cancel every attack of the enemy that will try to put obstacles in the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week when we have another great episode, and uh, we pray over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, give you grace and peace now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit forgivenfelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.